Happy New Year, Dave. Happy New Year to you. How are you in this 2020? Oh, all the hindsight jokes are oh great, aren't they? <laughs> Isn't it good? <laughs> this is the second podcast I've done in three days, and we've had I've had two hindsight jokes yeah, thrown at me. So, tell you what, office humour is loving it. <laughs> it's loving it. I, it's difficult working in an office at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got a good, uh, esteemed guest. It's two in a row for Crafty Pint guests, um, but we've got the man himself, James from Crafty Pint. How are you? Oh, not bad. Thanks for having me on. It's um, good to hear. How was your New Year's break? Um, it, it was a relatively um, tame and family-oriented um, Christmas and New Year. A um, little bit of the beach. Um, yeah, just a, not a, just a fairly calm time. It's, it's the one time of the year when the beer world sort of generally stop stops you know, I guess slows to a, a meander as mm. opposed to the the mad rush of the last few years so I don't have a thousand things landing in my inbox and a thousand beers landing on my doorstep so it's nice just to take the foot off the pedal mm. how's your new year's Dave yeah really nice very quiet and a little bit restrained it was just me and Steph hanging out around high street oh you did a little bit of a, a crawl yeah, a little bit of a crawl finishing at Rucker's Hill to look at the fireworks from the, the hill there. Yeah, it was nice. Found awesome. some spots that we like now that we never really thought about going to because, I don't know, there's about 30% of the venues down there were open and um, doing like a, a good trade for me as a, as a punter because mm. it was pretty much all really quiet. So mm. you could just enjoy yourself and not be hassled. <laughs> I haven't nearly run you over in a few weeks. I know, so yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I haven't been driving around the hood enough. <laughs> so you've been trying to run... Dave down? No, I hadn't realised he'd moved to where he'd moved. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, there were a couple of occasions I'd be sort of driving past as he was crossing the road ah. and trying to wave. And I was like, what? why are you always <laughs> up here? And it turns out he's now living a few streets exactly. away. Small world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in bed by 10.30 on New Year's Eve. Uh, we had flown back from the Marlborough Sound literally that morning. So it was a bit of a... a you schlep. made Kiwi New Year though? No. What do you mean? 10.30? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was still on Kiwi time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just finished a big holiday of relaxing, kayaking, fishing nice. uh, in the Marlborough Sounds, which is Perfect. a lovely, a lovely time. Uh, anyway, we, James, we've got you along to talk about something a little bit more somber. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people will kind of be aware of the, the situation with the bushfires. Um, and you've been sort of trying to compile everything um, into somewhat of a coherent um, off mic you're saying it's a little bit scattered at the moment <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels um, I think I mean, it kind of has to be by the nature of I don't know everything that's happening everyone's trying to work out what is actually happening mm-hmm. uh, can you give us a little bit of a summary of, of what you've been doing and what's what's going on yeah I mean I feel like we've been almost sort of Johnny come lately to this but um, I guess 10 days ago from when we're recording this um, I guess we've been sort of aware of what was happening when we did our the January the first piece looking ahead the the first piece I guess the first topic we wrote on was sustainability in in the beer world you know not just in business sustainability but, but looking at how the world is changing and, and how breweries are trying to be more um, forward thinking in the way that they are using energy and that kind of th- thing so I guess that that was something that we were sort of aware of but as I was writing that on New Year's Eve I couldn't stop refreshing like Malakuta on my Twitter feed going oh my god are 3,000 people about to mm. you know meet their end on this wharf and just feeling really quite um, I don't know teary <laughs> whilst writing this article and but so I guess prior to that there'd been obviously a lot of stuff going on in the in the beer world that we'd sort of been aware of 
you know what was happening in the Adelaide Hills. I'd been there just a few days before the fires had come through there, and just but I guess up to that point, my involvement had been sort of checking in with friends in the beer world in the Adelaide Hills on the south coast, offering the guys at Sailors Grey Bar House when we were going away if they needed to escape from East, you know, East Gipps Land, stuff like that. But I think it then sort of became aware that there's something was getting really quite, um, well, significant out of hand. And, I, and what sparked it from us in terms of the beer for bushfire relief and, and, and what's come from that was a, an email from Shane at Future Mountain and Reservoir, and they were keen to do something, but they were like, you know, how can we have more impact than just doing an event at our brewery? We'd like to sort of, can we, can we, can there be a beer? Can there be something interstate? And basically, can we help with Crafty Pint because we've got contacts and a, I guess a bigger audience? Um, as we were saying before we came on, it was actually the night before I was, we were packing to go on holiday, family holiday for a week, and it was going to be the one week I wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> I was like, oh. But, you know, yeah, so uh, half an hour later, there's an email to 450 people and this amazing response and what led to, um, I guess, what we've put under this Beer for Bushfire Relief banner and the main thing of which is an event or coordinated events around the country on the 18th, but which is sort of, I guess, been borrowed as, a, I guess, sort of a banner for a lot of people who are putting on events or have, I guess, been inspired to put on fundraisers or whatever um, outside of that date. Um, and, yeah, I guess it's just become... A way of trying to either give people ideas for how to get involved um, or connect breweries impacted and otherwise with venues to do fundraising events karma kegs or whatever it is um, trying to help breweries that are impacted be contacted by people to buy their beer um, and just I guess a, a variety of things that are um, people can find everything I'd like to say in one place, but we've ended up with two pages <laughs> listing all the events, just the nature of these things. So I guess just trying to find a way of helping people network and helping people find a way of getting involved through the beer community. Mm. Uh, response has been pretty good from what I've seen. Um, looking through that page, the what's the URL for that page? Um, or the main one? So for the thing for the 18th, so it's craftypint.com slash beer hyphen for hyphen bush relief sorry bushfire hyphen relief if you go to craftypint.com it'll be <laughs> on the front yeah. page um yeah. i think if you search for beer for bushfire relief you should find it i mean i in an ideal world i did i didn't want it to be on crafty pint because it's this isn't something that, that we've led like i said we've sort of come to it late and it's like what can we do to help and it's we've got this platform but you know the, for the sake of turning something around quickly it was easier to build it on our page um but we've made it very much its own thing it's you know it's not a crafty pint branded page I don't think there's any mention of us mm. on there um, so it was just more a case of trying to find a, a way of um, yeah gathering all that stuff in one place I, I have a fear that there's things we've missed because at the times there's been two or three of us within the crafty team possibly with that event page open at the, in the back end at the same time adding stuff and then saving and deleting what someone else has done and there's people been contacting us via Instagram messages and Facebook and emails and I'm hoping that we've got everything on there I think there's, there's sort of 70 ish events on there at the minute um and there's there's been like some not just events i got a phone call from the beer fest um guys james harding yesterday so they've got four events still to come so if you buy if you buy a ticket for any of their festivals 
on January the 18th, they will give 50% of the ticket fee from any ticket bought that day for any of the four festivals to Bushfire Relief, so which could raise thousands. So That's the people that do, do they do the Frio? Yeah, so the ones that got left are Melbourne, Canberra, Brisbane and Perth. Okay. Um, so yeah, people are just really trying to find any way to get involved. It's been kind of funny, I, I guess, because it's happened so good. People are getting in touch going, oh, we're doing this thing, but it's not on that day. Are you interested? It's like, <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> like, and it's like, it's not a fundraiser. So like, Chris and Gab at Sailor's Grave, they're going to do a brewer shout at their brewery in Orbos, which mm-hmm. um, very nearly didn't survive. And it's just a brewer shout. They want to just throw a party for all the fireys and all the volunteers and everyone that's done something in, you know, that they're part of East Gipps land. And they're like, does it count? I'm like, yeah, of course it does. Like, it's awesome that you're doing that. Um, and, you know, and there's some people that aren't in a position to get involved on the day because they either can't get to their brewery or there's, there's little point. I mean these whole sways of the high country and you know parts of um sa and the you know much of the south coast of new south wales there's there's nobody there Mm. and i think that's what that's the sort of impact that people are going to become more aware of yes there's been this you know i guess a lot the reporting is how many deaths there have been damage to property all this and it's that's obviously incredibly significant but there's these this is tourist time Mm. and there's entire you know sways of the country where nobody is there um, we were chatting about it yesterday. Apparently, the message is coming from Marimbula, like town council, like, hey, everyone come back. But, you know, I think there's also people in the town going, don't look, like, don't come back. We're trying to, we're trying to get back on our feet, you know. So that was the situation in Kangaroo Island where everyone's yeah. sort of saying, hey, we're still big part of the island, still open for business. And yeah. then the next day it was like, actually, evacuate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's. That's no one's fault. It's yeah. such a, a chaotic time. Mm. Um, and I think that's almost the next steps of, okay, once this initial period's over and we can hopefully take a breath, how do these communities survive? Yeah, um, yeah and I think, you know, as part of the fundraiser, like, discussions are going on, you know, if if a brewery's been impacted and wants to do a fundraising event, surely they, can keep, they just keep the money for themselves or within the local community that, you know, that don't, you know... I guess when they're trying to be these coordinated efforts, we very much want to say, well, if there's something on a larger scale, let's work out where the money gets donated. But if it's on a smaller scale, it's up to the people involved where it goes, especially those that have been um, impacted by it. But I think that's that's going to be the one of the major things for the long-term impact is how these um, communities recover. I know with, um, who was it? Was telling, I think it was <coughs> Cam at Bridge Road was saying that you know, it's hurting them, but they figure that they'll be okay. But they said they've got a lot of customers, sort of small local retailers or tourism businesses that they've, they've been customers there for years. And they go, they don't, we don't know if they'll survive, you know, mm-hmm. if they'll survive having one season gone. And I think, you know, much as you see all this huge amount of money being um, either given by the government or donated and these absolutely phenomenal fundraising drives taking place globally, you, you just feel like no matter how big it is, it's going to like kind of scratch the surface of of what needs to be what needs to be done mm, mm. Um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the resilience brew as well I noticed there's something on your side about that on Friday yeah so I, th- I think there's going to be um, depending on how quickly this podcast goes out it may well have happened by then uh, I'm hoping to get it out tomorrow so yeah. Monday because um, <laughs> yeah. you know hopefully if people aren't aware of things they know where to get aware <laughs> of things before next weekend <laughs> yeah so um, so this is 
so I, I, as far as I understand, there are discussions or have been discussions around other fundraising brews, um, and as and when I know we know about them. If they don't become part of this bigger project, you know, I guess we'll we'll talk about them as well. But very early on in that sort of once that sort of email went out ten days ago, I think one of the first responses that came back in was from um, Nick the brewer at uh, One Drop in Botany, and. Lots of suggestions came from 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 those guys, and one of them was, well, how about if if it was a fundraising brew, and if there's talk about do we do one in each state to a certain level, so they don't, you know, it's not too much, and where's it going to go? And then more and more people sort of put their hands up to be part of this ongoing, organically growing <laughs> discussion, um, and you know, it would it was guys from Bolter, guys from East Coast Canning, from Cryer Malt, from you know the IBAs got involved, and. Ultimately, it's become a situation that's there's still a lot of, um, I guess, I's being dotted and T's crossed. But using the Resilience name, which um, Sierra Nevada used for uh, Resilience IPA, and in the wake of the California fires in late 2018, there'll be an Australian Resilience beer. But it won't be the same. It won't be an IPA because IPA, we're not quite at that point yet, where you'd have a fundraising beer that was an IPA in Australia. Um, That's a whole different discussion, I think, as well. <laughs> <laughs> so work has been ongoing between, I guess, a bunch of brewers. I'm, I'm not sure how widely that's gone um, to just to work out sort of a recipe that is the would be the ingredients should be around and it should be a you know a recipe that anyone can follow. I'm sure there might be some variants upon it. Um, and the idea is that anyone that wants to get involved and brew this beer can. Um, and there's already interest from overseas. I think um, Sierra Nevada are keen to push it. Anyone that got involved in their their version in America to actually do it to raise funds for over here. Um, there's been expression from I'll get to say it wrong, but to all um, from Trillium, from Garage Project. So there's all there's all these people overseas. Plus, obviously, some of the impacted brewers. And the format we're looking at is if you want to take part in it nominate you know explain where you are how much you want to brew and where you want to sell it so we can try and avoid too much sort of um crossover in where the beer is um is distributed um and then there'll be potentially larger brew or brews that can go through hopefully go through national retailers and sort of maximize the reach but hopefully without impacting the you know the smaller community brews that are done as well um, and it's all moving very fast. I've, I'm saying this now, things may have changed in some way <laughs> by the time this goes out tomorrow. But I think you can expect a, a you know, a, a formal resilience beer website to be live in the coming days and a formal announcement and various other bits. But the idea would be, I think that this would be happening within, um, the, you know, the, the brews would take place within a couple of weeks and the beer would be launched hopefully sometime within February. Um, and I think it would be a case of, for the larger scale brews, there'll be agreement upon wh- where the money should go. And if you're a small brewery um, or brewers coming together to make one, you say where the money wants to go. And that seems to be the the, the agreed the, <laughs> the agreed way to go about it. I guess when you say, um, you know, this might change with by next week, um, you know, there's still, I think, Bright, Beechworth, mm-hmm. that's still kind of, I think, watch and act mm-hmm. as we talk. Yeah. Um, the Hopfields yeah. is certainly um, as part of that. Um, HPA, I, I have been checking that because I've had some inquiries from overseas as well. People like, are the hops okay? Because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that is a huge yeah. thing overseas. Um, so, you know, I think that's one of the, the worrying things is, you know, we're talking about all these things happening, but mm-hmm. come next week, you know, there's, there's still bad weather. 
Yeah, there's still winds, there's still, still fires. Very challenging um, conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's what, what's you know I, I have to sort of be careful not to be talking out of turn because it is a fast moving thing. I'm, I'm sure while we're talking, there will be discussions going on around whether it's about the branding or how how best to, to operate things. But um, there is talk that you know at the level between Jamie Cook. Um, External wood now that he's <laughs> retired yep. uh, um, and cha- chair of the IBA, yep. um, and uh, he's been in discussion. Even though he's in WA for a wedding this weekend, he's still managed to find time for discussions with Jamie. Ken is always online. <laughs> <laughs> discussion. Well, um, I rang him yesterday because um, he'd rang me, and it turns out it was a pocket dial. And I said, oh, "Aren't you supposed to be at a wedding?" He goes, "I'm actually walking in now." I'm like, "All right, <laughs> see ya." But he'd, he's been chatting to Joss um, at Garage Project and Ken Grossman at Sierra Nevada, and I think the idea is, you know. It, if the resilience concept is going to come from the states to here, that it can then lead into something that becomes an ongoing project. You know, the beer community can get around. With, you know, we'd like to think there'll never be a disaster anywhere in the world mm. on this scale um, ever again. But something that could potentially be a, a platform for you know ongoing support where wherever it is, because you know, people people are still going to want to drink nice beer, and if they can do it in a way that you know helps helps others, um, then why would you not? So if you're not up with the Sierra Nevada Resilience um, Brew, there was a really good article, um, an award-winning article in Good Beer Hunting by Alyssa Pereira. Um, so if you just have a look at that, um, I think if you search, oh, I had it on my screen, um, <laughs> Good Beer Hunting Resilience Beer, um, a really incredible story, amazing photos. Um, I can't remember the name of the photographer, but um, you know that's kind of the background of, of how that all came about yeah. and, and sort of what happened in, in California as well. Um, yeah, because yeah, that was quite a quite a big initiative when that happened. So it's kind of cool to see it carrying over and, and yeah. sort of reflecting the global. Well, and I think there were sort of lessons learned there as well. Uh, I'm, I don't know what state their situation at now, but Ken certainly found there was issues getting all of the funds recovered yeah, yeah. Um, whether, and I don't know the reasons behind that but certainly I think you know four or five months on from that beer coming out there was, they were still wondering where 50% or something or you know some significant amount of the funds were yeah. um, so that that's something that's well, it's been good you know to have those sort of learnings being sort of fed over into what we're trying to um, put together here um, but yeah I mean they had 1400 breweries over there take part and one, part of the early discussion here was let's make sure that we try and minimise somehow, you know, the sort of oversupply or, or two people trying to get the same beer into the same venues. Mm. Um, and that's part of why we're asking where people are and how much they want to brew and where they want to sell it and, and that kind of thing. At the same time, in the States, it sort of took off to the extent that people went and hunted down as many different brews of resilience as they could find. And as soon as we put something out on Friday... You know, our friend Matthew Beggs and a few other jumped on going, This is awesome. Like, I'd love to taste different resilience beers and yeah. and the, sort the, of the taste them side by side. So there will always be people out there helping people, you know, deal with crossover. The, the first yeah. thought I had, or not the first, but up there is where can I try as many side by side? Because, okay. <laughs> you know, from, from the, the beer geek perspective, this is an interesting opportunity to see how different breweries work. Yeah. how the same process is yeah. reflected. Um, yeah. And I think in the States there was some variance across the brews. Often, you know, if people couldn't source the same ingredients, but it's, again, it's been part of the discussion. So, you know, what if someone has a house yeast and what wants to put that in instead of whether it's US 05 mm. or whatever the, you know, here's, here, you know, here's the sort of the, the platonic 
recipe mm. um, ideal. And you know, if they want to do their own variants, and I think you know that that's going to happen and mm. will be. I think there's, there'd be a case of wanting things not to go too crazy and just slap resilience on be. But essentially, if 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 it's going to make sense for a brewery to do that, sort of their version of that core recipe, then I think that might happen as well. Yeah, you wouldn't expect Lassarin to do the same one as. Yeah. Bolter, for example, yeah. Um, but I mean, well, I think what will hope, hopefully happen, where pe- people is that where people are, a- are able to, it might it could become a community brew day as well. Not you know, obviously the launch day will be coordinated as best as possible. But if you know, if there is a possibility in the impact communities who want to take part in it, that they can get together and feel part of the brew, um, then that would be something that could be pretty good from it as well. But I mean, if we're looking at you know, breweries getting involved here and overseas, the you know, the the fundraising potential um and the logistical <laughs> challenges um are, are quite um phenomenal. Mm. So we'll see we'll see what comes from it. Um it is interesting you, you kinda touched on about breweries already taking their own initiatives mm. to be sustainable. Mm. Um you know, the small brewery world it's something that's been fascinating of you know, so many breweries now are putting solar panels on their mm. roof. Um just Knowing that it's it's better for the environment yeah. and it's going to save their money, um, you know, wastewater is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even from the smallest brewery to the biggest brewery, breweries, it kind of always surprises me how much just about every brewery you talk to is aware of their impact and their mm-hmm. footprint. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it is kind of great to see that, but also seeing those same breweries that are impacted by the trash fire that is, I yeah. guess, modern, you know, modern environment. Yeah. Um, it's a bit, you know, it's frustrating, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, that was, a, I, I don't need to actually check in on where they are now, but I was following Ryefield Hops, like, it, at one stage they were in the firing line of um, the, one of the fires coming through the south coast, um, but even prior to that, with, with the way that the summer had started, or even sort of spring, they'd planted a new crop and they were like we're going to get nothing from it like the 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 plants didn't know what was going on mm. um and you know that's <coughs> if you even if you take the bushfires out of things things are changing you know with, with the extended drought you know if you look at with the even within the major malt suppliers if they're going to you know like say been um the joe with their, their signature malt mm. they have to sort of look around the country and go well we actually had a really good <laughs> healthy mm. crop this year to find that because it's you know there's Things are changing, even aside from the fires. You know, in terms of impacting um, ingredients and brewing conditions. Mm, mm. Someone asked me um, about the sustainability of, of sort of independent and craft beer last year, and I, I, it almost sounded like doom and gloom at the time. But I was like, I feel like the environment's gonna <laughs> catch up with us <laughs> before it all. And and you know, then I sort of went away and thought about it and thought, oh, maybe I'm being a little bit, you know ahead of myself mm. and then this bushfire season it's like oh this is actually well i don't i don't think you almost you kind of don't want to believe it whether you're, even if you're on that sort of side of the um belief spectrum where you are a believer that things are changing for the worse um there's been stuff in the you know media for years going this is the situation is actually far further along than we're we're really saying so we don't want to scare people too much mm. and you know last year there were people saying we've got to hit you know a potentially awful fire season coming up and you kind of read this and go yeah but it almost doesn't want to compute mm. and i think even with what's happened in the last couple of months i really think for most people it was towards the end of the year 
when it really started. You, like you knew stuff was going on, but then mm. it, then it really. It, I think sometimes maybe it's part of a defense mechanism that you don't really want to, you know, be fully aware of what's happening. But it's certainly, I think that, I think this is a moment that's going to change a lot in the long in the long run. There is, and it's probably has the potential of going too far off topic, but there is certainly a, still a, a large number of people on the right side of politics that are still determined to deny mm. things are changing, and yeah. that's kind of frustrating. Mm. Um, you know, that's a big part of the media and, and the government. Mm. You know, there's people, as the Deputy Prime Minister late December said, no, nah, everything's fine. I think um, it's going to get a lot harder for them to find lines to use mm. um, and you know I think the way that you know the government has behaved in this bushfire season they will have lost even some of their supporters you know even if you approach what's happened totally apolitically and just look at the actions and look at the reaction of people to what's happened over the last few weeks you know and people I think any politician's opinion will be changed if they're going to be losing support. So mm. we'll see. You know, and I think what's been interesting as well is how part of the reason I think this has gone global. Yes, there's been amazing work by people like Celeste Barber, but just you know that image that was put on um, socials or on the internet was it a week or two ago where someone overlaid the outline of Australia over America mm. with where with flames where all the fires were taking place and mm. the reaction a lot of people in the states go oh my god how big is australia and holy shit the entire <laughs> continent is on fire and things like that i think make people realize a sort of i guess the scale of the issue but i think i mean part of the appeal for, for me once this idea of tying whatever happens here on the brewing front to the resilience um project in the states i think helps I guess hammer home that message that what we're dealing with here, whatever you want to call it, you know, wherever you sit on that spectrum, whatever you want to say, mm. it's actually not just localized. Mm. You know, California's had two hideous fire seasons in a row. You know, Australia's never had anything like this. And you can, you know, you, if you wanted to, you could tie it to other things going on pretty much constantly around the world. And I think that really, once we can start globalizing the issue, then hopefully it makes it easy to make progress. We'll see. One of the, um, and I, I hasn't really been mentioned in, um, I guess, similar to the, the calamity <laughs> that's happening. Um, in Indonesia, there are massive floods at the moment. Um, the last time I looked a couple of days ago, it was 100,000 homes, 100,000 people had lost their homes yeah. and 66 people dead as well. Yeah. So, and, and I guess, you know, this, this great outreach for Australia is incredible. Um, but I think if we are looking at doing community fundraisers for the, the greater community, we need to almost keep this momentum up yeah. um, once this fire season's over because, yeah, there's some tragedy happening all around at the moment. And I, and I think that's, that's always the issue that if something's happening in a place where it's, well, a part of the Western world and we have camera crews that can get there and helicopters can get there um, and media sourcing, it, it does tend to get a greater impact. You're right. And I think that's, <coughs> I guess, hopefully something that's been part of this discussion about, okay, how can we a get this thing happening in the next few days and the brews happening in the next few days and how do we coordinate it to make sure all the money is accounted for and goes to the right place but how do we then build on what happened in america and what's happening here to make it a platform that sounds you know we'll be almost be plugged in elsewhere and go right 
you know, how can we help here? And, you know, tailoring a solution or, you know, not a solution, but tailoring something that can work elsewhere. It would be great if a portion of all their earnings went to a wider fund that could be spent on helping the community, something like a tax, um, <laughs> and that money was spent usefully. Uh, well, well so, so someone, <laughs> has, someone has been, um, the, the issue of approaching the ATO about waiving excise on the resilience beer has been raised. Mm-hmm. Um, there are differing views on whether it's worth um, asking the question. The one of the, a gif from uh, the castle has been <laughs> posted on the Slack discussion group, um, telling me he's dreaming. But uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's something that has been. It, 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 what, I mean, one of the things, aside from what we've sort of quite narrowly become involved in, I guess as the Crafty Pint team and others, in terms of trying to sort of just coordinate or collate what's going on and then this sort of what's happening with the beer. What has been remarkable, not in the beer world, but us, is, is just how ingenious people have been and how amazing the response has been. Um, there was something um, Guy, uh, Ben McClay up in... Um, Brisbane, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Violence Thomas on Twitter. Violence on Twitter, yeah. He just he put something up on Twitter yesterday. It was just like he just I can't really think the exact wording, but essentially it was like people, after all, are actually quite good, mm. and it's very hard to sort of b- believe that a lot of the time. And he's he's one of the you know one of the, one of the funniest, but generally quite sort of you know cynically humorous people on Twitter. And he just sort of was like you know what's been going on. He says. <laughs> Essentially, I think it was someone else of it. Essentially, everyone who can do anything is doing everything they can mm. to try and help. You know, um, slightly, I guess, tangential to that. How do you? And I guess this is probably fair for everyone that's doing a job, mm-hmm. but something like beer, which is somewhat frivolous in the greater scheme. Yeah. Um, how do you motivate yourself? How are you planning to motivate yourself to keep the crafty pint? <laughs> you know, doing you're going to be tasting beers, you're yeah, going to be yeah. doing things yeah. that aren't bushfire related over yeah. the next coming weeks. Yeah, well, are, you, are you? Is that daunting to you right now? Well, I think when we when I was doing the intro to that piece that we published on January the first, that was in the midst of things looking really fucking terrifying um, in a lot a lot of parts of the country, and yeah, I was getting quite almost teary. <laughs> trying to work out and it was like why am I even writing this article you know what is the point of everything that we're doing and it was like well you know and I guess that's why we open, part of the reason why we open with the sustainability thing it's like well we can't give up hope and we just have to try and find ways in our personal and professional lives of making a difference you know and I guess you know we take steps wherever we can I also have a three-ton diesel to pull my caravan, which probably isn't <laughs> the best thing in the world. But when we're away, we couldn't live off solar and blah blah blah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking that way. But I guess the part of what you have to do is sort of carry on. And I guess in terms of what the Crafty Pint aims to do is partly, well, I guess the Crafty Pint has played a role in will have helped raise more money and will have helped get people in touch with impacted breweries so like we can do good through the network that we have and through the platform we have you know in the sh- in the short term so there's that um yeah getting back to the other stories i guess you know life has to carry on and i, and I you know we've had this sort of going green series for a while that probably we don't we haven't 
done enough on, but this sort of give, gives fresh impetus to that. You know, looking at stories about how breweries are operating sustainably or looking at changes in farming practices or whatever that impact the beer world. So, you know, I guess it, it might help retrain our focus, you know, more keenly in that area. Um, but also business as usual content for you helps build your platform that you can do good things with as well. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think, you know, we're, you know, I think aside from talking about new beers, which hopefully the number of them <laughs> will calm down, you know, and talking about new breweries and looking at trends in the industry, you know, that, you know, is of, I guess, only so much of an interest to people who are in, in that world. Um, but I do think part of what we try and do with the Crafty Pint is try and, well, what I'm trying to do in at times is capture this story of what's been happening in craft beer and not just for the last nine and a half years that we've been operating but you know going back and telling the stories of the important people that have come before um and i think that's you know has a value and this is going to become part of that as well and it I don't know, probably has a bit convoluted but everything we do hopefully sort of provides a bit of context about where we are now you know and, and where we're going i think um you know when it comes to trying to sell people that might not be into craft beer or, or not you know mm. what is that fruity crap but i had one <laughs> i had one that was terrible you know i've been taking the line that it supports small business it supports communities mm-hmm. um and you know when i think about you know what we do in our time and what and certainly what you do in crafty piners hopefully highlighting a lot of those small businesses that otherwise you know they're not getting any attention anywhere yeah um and you know i think what we're going to see when these communities need to rebound is they need business there mm-hmm. and a lot of the time it's going to be the the small business the cafes yeah. the 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 bars the or the pubs that you know hopefully we can assist in, in highlighting in some way yeah um, well and that, that's you know there's, there's obviously going to be a series of stories that we can do about you know whether it's the fundraising efforts going on within these communities or just telling their story once they're ready to tell their story again um you know we i know we've told us the story in one way or another of a number of the breweries down in the south coast but when liam from cupid got in touch going hey um we'd love some help finding a venue or venues in Sydney where we can send some beer and do a showcase or whatever. I was like, never heard of them, <laughs> never heard of them. <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's one of those things that there, there are so many more small breweries mm. where they're based in the back of pubs or, you know, in mate sheds that we don't know about. And, mm. you know, now they've got an even greater reason to tell that story. I've talked about it in the past. You know, you could easily, if you wanted to just focus on building audience or traffic or whatever you could focus on just telling the stories about you know the the hype beers or the big breweries or lists having just done you know the seven best new beers of the year list <laughs> and a list store based article on the best beers of the all you know the beers that made the last decade so we're not totally free of that but i'd see it as part of our role to tell the story of a little brewery that's just started you know wherever it might be mm. and it might, it might only be read by you know a few hundred people or as well you know people who might be their mates but that's part of what we're there to do mm. um and i'm hoping i'll be home for a while that you know we have our who brews thing that's a sort of you know here's a brief story of a youngish brewery and a brief q a about them I want to have one of them every Monday throughout the year because, A, there's enough breweries to do it, but it, and that all ties into that 
telling the stories about the Lilbury in, in many cases you, that you may never go to, but if you're passing through, it's a way of having it on our website and mm. then having a sort of presence on there, getting into our app. If people start using that when they're going, oh, I'm going to this little town, who's this? And they can read the story and, and go and discover them. So, yeah, I mean, that, there's, there's that side of things as well. And I think it certainly, um, there are ways that we can look to help mm. those that are, um, been impacted you know as part of what we do anyway what's the vibe like an office have you been in the office yeah i've been working all the way through yeah people are terrified it's it's like pretty much the sole topic of conversation over the last few weeks anyway um Mm. everyone's just like uh like if you stood up and looked around you see like 90 percent monitors are looking at the cfa map to just Mm. to see what's going on trying to get updates on whatever people like everyone knows someone who's directly affected and it's it's yeah it's it's a it's a oddly like unifying time well i think this is probably the first time there's ever been anything in this country sort of certainly in in recent times where surely everybody knows somebody if not multiple people affected like i was chatting to will on new year's eve when we were doing that the january the first article he goes well, i've got mates who are at the next they're stranded on the next beach down from malakuta they were supposed to be back in melbourne yesterday they couldn't get back and it's like are they okay <laughs> you know um he's like well you know the, the, i think so um and yeah it's just it, it is you hope it's one of those sort of watershed moments where people don't a lot of people don't sort of get through it and go all right <clears throat> Back to things, back mm. to life as I think usual. It's done something like with people that um, don't want to have thought about this kind of thing. They're not necessarily people that have taken a hard stance either way. The people that haven't wanted to thought about it or just haven't think about it, like they're forced to now. Mm. It's a, it's a, a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Mm. It does suck um, seeing the you know the reports, the Garno report is the one that's been cited a lot from. 2008 the CSIRO one is that the yeah, one? yeah yeah um pretty much know. just mapping it all out yeah yeah we kind of we've sort of known this has been happening and you touched on it before everyone including probably all of us at the table has been oh you know that's that's miles in the future anyway we'll probably be okay um you know hopefully this means governments do need to pay attention um and and people pay attention with the way they vote because uh, you know this isn't sustainable <laughs> as, a, as the earth well it's, it's, i think it's been interesting in that those parties that you would have thought outside of the greens that you would have thought might have taken a stronger stance over the last five ten years have been scared of it i guess maybe because they're scared of the, <laughs> the murdoch press or whatever and therefore we've ended up in many western countries um new zealand a prominent exception with you know, a fossil fuel funded and supporting government um, mm. and quite openly and proudly so. Um, and like we touched on before with Morrison um, administration, you wonder if they see the way the tide is changing, maybe that's something that will change. There's only so many times I think you can come up with a different line <laughs> that explains why you're still sticking to your guns. Mm. But it probably also needs the Labour Party to come out more strongly um, yeah. with an alternative, uh, which they've they've fudged around. Well, right now there, there isn't really, you know, they've been pretty happy to, to take the coal, you know, mm-hmm. the jobs line. And, and sure, coal does pay a lot of the bills mm. in this country. That's, um, But we need to, there's no plan to wind that back yet. Mm. And Labour certainly haven't yeah. offered anything as an alternative. Um 
So, you know, a, as someone that, that leans pretty far left, looking at, okay, what are the chances of someone getting in that can make a difference? Mm-hmm. Not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully this does mean Labour can yeah. do, you know, because quite often they do say, oh, we, we do believe in climate change and we do want to do these things, but then the policies don't really reflect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it, it definitely feels like one of those moments and we don't and, and it's a moment that you know the, the traditional bushfire season still has at least a couple of months to go there are ridiculously huge fires still burning in mm. parts of the country um so it's not like you know we're talking about as a moment it's a moment that's very much being lived through um mm. by a lot of people and a lot of people are still putting their lives on the line to to get us get us through it um uh, and you know it's it's good to talk about I guess the positive moves that are being taken, but God, you know, fingers crossed that everyone else gets through it for the next few months. Um, one of the small mercies in the beer world is that hops aren't affected by smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, even though if fires are close to the the hops areas, uh, they'll generally be okay unless mm-hmm. they they do catch fire. Um, but the wine industry is, is certainly mm-hmm. going to suffer as well. So. If you are a wine drinker as well, it, it might be worth checking out some regions and finding out and buying older vintages. I know a lot of them are kind of doing some sales of older vintages to raise money because yeah. uh, a lot of them are going to lose their entire year because yeah. um, grapes just get smoke taint really quickly. Yeah. There was somebody um, jumped on Twitter when we put stuff about the, this imminent collaboration brew and said oh you know we, 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 a lot of wineries are going to have smoke tainted grapes is there any chance they could be used within the brew um i, was like, I don't think it's going to be suited for a mass yeah a mass appeal <laughs> fundraiser but you know you, you'd like to think there are brewers out there yeah. who potentially you know could work with some of these wineries you know there's, there's, it's become yes it's very much a niche area but it's one that all three of us are pretty fascinated by this sort of cro- the blurring of the lines between beer and wine um, I, and I you can, wonder what may happen okay i reckon dave's thought and it's probably the same as my thought immediately was hell yeah i want to drink that <laughs> yeah, it's like a macabre sort of way to think about it but yeah, yeah. definitely um i, I, wait I for that have smoke had tank grape I, <laughs> I have had uh wine that had a, an element of smoke tank just a really small one um i think it might have been after Black Saturday. yeah around yeah and i think one of the wineries was selling it as a sort of a clean skin thing um and it was really lovely like it had a, a just a really gentle element of it um yeah. but i think the you know the amount of smoke we've seen in this country is probably not going to be the case. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should take a short break. Um, there's a couple of things I want to wrap up with. Um, unless you want to add anything about uh, any of the bushfire stuff. No, I mean I guess you know there's if you jump online, your local beer venue or or brewery, it will be doing something almost guaranteed, whether it's this week or next week or next month. Um, I know Young Henry's are donating something like 300 cases and 200 kegs of beer to any hospo venue that wants to put on a fundraiser anywhere in the country. So I mean, there's there's, there's a huge amount of stuff going on. Um, yeah, for next Saturday, if you are free and want to get out and support something, hopefully there'll be an event near you. And beyond that, just keep an eye out for Resilience Beer um, Venture Project, whatever it ends up being called. Um, I'm sure there'll be a major announcement this week. Um, and brews taking place before the month is out um and stay safe <laughs> we'll um we'll come back with the uh, urls and everything um after the break get a pin
to say a lot of that again. <laughs> uh, welcome back. There's just a couple of things um, I wanted to mention before we wrap up. Uh, so we're going to be at Hop Haze Festival next weekend. Summer Haze? Yeah, Summer Haze. I wrote it down as Hop Haze. <laughs> yeah, um, it's all about hoppy and hazy beers. Yeah. Um, at Mr. Banks down in Seaford, uh, get along. There's some really, really cool breweries going to be there. Um, and we're, I think we're going to do a live stream. We did initially have an idea to do a blind tasting. I don't think that's going to work fine, in yeah. a festival environment. Um, but I don't want to put that idea to bed Oh, yet. okay. I, I think there's, there's legs it. in the idea. I was just about to ruin it. Okay. Um, it is kind of stupid. It's the dumbest, yeah. but also the best. Uh, watch <laughs> when, this I, space. When, I, when I said it, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. Mm. I think we can do a YouTube video of okay. it. Uh, watch the space for that. But in the meantime... Uh, yeah, we're going to be live streaming. They're doing a bushfire raffle there. You can, I think it was a year's worth of beer or something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll hopefully try and set up like an online thing through our um, live stream. We'll put it through Facebook and I'll put the times up on, on social media beforehand uh, so people, if they want to try and win some Mr. Banks beers, um, they can do it because everyone wants Mr. Banks beers because they're delicious. Uh, and if you're in the area... Get on down and, and drink some beers. Yeah, it should be good, I reckon. Um, my last story of the year was an ABAC story. Um, ABAC are back in the news at the moment. Um, have a read on Good Beer Hunting. Um, just about, I was kind of, I unpacked how much, how many complaints there are around beer and there's still kind of a, a fraction of the overall thing. Um, Pirate Life have had, I think it was 8 out of 14 about the beer, so someone's clearly targeting pirate life. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I really want to highlight the fact that ABAC is toothless, and you know, it's a self-regulation. It, the the impacts that getting, you know, caught out or infringing ABAC means you have to take down a social post, or you can probably still sell your beer, but once you run out of cans, maybe change them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you see the comments online. Um, you know, in every Bruce news story about ABAC, people are like freaking out. It's a nanny state. We should boycott breweries that sign ABAC it's like no it's the opposite mm-hmm. it's a really and sure you might not agree with every decision but like if in the last one the Pirate Life got done for they could still sell the beer they just had to take down the Instagram post and people were just like ridiculous this is out of line and it's like it's, <laughs> it's fine um, the alternatives are much worse yeah but I mean that ridiculous out of line he was going to say that about something yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was, um, it, it's crazy. People, I think people just see ABAC and they go, nah, Matt Nanny State. Even when things don't get, um, and, I, and I reply to people if they're like, if it's one that doesn't get uh, infringing, you know, doesn't, isn't infringing, and Bruce News have been reporting on all of them, and people are like commenting, you know, oh, crazy stuff, can't believe it. I'm like, hey, did you actually read it? Yeah. Nothing's happened. Like, just calm down. People are so ready to, oh, uh, so just calm down. ABAC's actually pretty good. <laughs> the alternatives are far, far worse. Uh, yeah, that's my We've been talking for a long time about the the feeling is, or maybe was now because of ABAC, that someone's going to have like a business ending decision that they mm. make. And this is something, just the one little safeguard against that. Yeah. Um, the NA, I said ages ago that people were going to get done because people are really pushing the boundaries. Yeah. And ABAC, while there are a lot of grey areas, it's pretty clear what you can and can't mm-hmm. do. Don't make it look like a soft drink is one of the clear statements. And I don't know, where if you look at any bottle shop now, you could find so many beers infringing. Um, the fact that none of them are getting pulled up means there's no over-regulation. It's fine. Just shh. 
It's okay. Uh, that's my piece on ABAC. Uh, let's do some recommendations. All right. Ready Dave, to start? you want to start? Yeah, on beer? Yeah. Great. All right. Mine's pretty simply going to be um, have a beer next Saturday. Go and find a participating venue and do it for a good cause. Yeah. Even if you're not, have a beer at home and find a good cause to donate to. Mm. There's plenty of them out there. Good on. Easy. Um, yeah, I was in SA early December. Um, and if you sort of asked around there who's doing good stuff at the minute, um, the name Uradler was coming up a lot, um, sort of in the hills, well, I guess the foothills, the, the way to the, or well, the gateway to the Adelaide Hills. Um, it's attached to the Uradler Hotel, which has a banner on one side saying um, Uradler's best hotel, and on the other side, Uradler's worst hotel or pub. Okay. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a guy, young guy, Oscar, they're making some really, um, really good beers. He's got some great hop, hop forward beers, lovely pale ale. Couple of IPAs, double IPA, um, also some stouts, just a whole bunch of stuff, um, and generally doing them really well. He's got a little bit of um, just started coming into pack now and coming interstate. You can find them in a few places outside SA, um, but if you're in SA, you'll find it anywhere. And if you go into any of the sort of better venues and bottle shops and ask, they'll generally go, "Have you had this stuff?" So mm. I'd say look out for him. Awesome. Uh, can you spell it for us? U R A I D L A. Correct. <laughs> yes. I looked it up as well, just in case. Yeah, no, no, I, I did actually arrange to call in and see him on the last or penultimate morning we were there on the way up to um, visit the guys at Mismatch at Lot 100. And um, he wasn't there. I'm like, oh, never mind. We'll grab some beers and take some photos. And it turns out he'd had a rather late night the night before, but it turns out he was then coming to meet us at the next place. <laughs> oh, <there laughs> so he ended up having three-hour lunch with him instead. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's just pretty... I think he's... Just, He's brewed a few other places before, but just mm. he's just one of those young brewers that's got a knack. So look out for them. I uh, had one of his beers. I can't remember which one it was. It was about three or four months ago and remember being really impressed. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Um, I actually completely forgot about them because there's so many beers out there. It's so easy to forget. <laughs> oh, I've um, never heard of them. Yeah. Um, I, I must have got it during the IBA BrewCon. Um, I, I think there was a can of that somewhere that someone passed me and it was great. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, I think the first one I had was in Sturt Street Cellars, and I was like, sort of people saying, "What's it? Only in SA or mostly in SA that I should try?" And had that just at the the venue as we went for our takeaway food from across the road, and I was like, "It was, I think it was the Imperial IPA." And I was like, it just drank like a big pale ale, just you know, such great balance. Hmm. Um, and I've had a fair few other beers since, and yeah, he's he knows what he's doing. Excellent. Nice. Um, so mine over Christmas, New Year's, I was in New Zealand. I uh, spent a few days in Wellington. And Boneface, I think it's called Hoptron uh, Pale Ale, was probably the, the pick of all the beers that I had. Uh, so Boneface, he has brewed at Panhead um, previously and a couple of other places. And then he's opened up a um, brewery just near Panhead in Upper Hut. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the branding kind of looks similar to Panhead, that same kind of... Um, it's very masculine looking. Um, it's got a skull on the label, which people know that I'm always a fan of. Uh, but the the pale was every time I had it. Um, like the f- I think I ordered something else, and Emma ordered the pale. And I, as soon as I had a sniff of hers, I'm like, man, I <laughs> ordered the wrong pint. That is so good. Uh, yeah, it's tasting just glorious. And I got a six pack of uh, mix six pack at a random supermarket in Picton. Um, I think they were quite old because 
random supermarket beer uh, and everything just tasted so great. So, yeah, Boneface, but they're pale. Nice. If you can, if you see that anywhere, pick it up. I don't think they're available in Australia at the moment. They were for a brief period, but if you're in Wellington, um, just skip over that Garage Project beer. We get plenty of them. Grab a Boneface first and, uh, yeah, give it a go. Nice. I like it. Non-beer, what do you got? Sure, uh, Falco Bakery, you've been there a couple of times, what do you think? Uh, good, yeah, really good. Yeah. Uh, I've only been there once, had a pie and I enjoyed it. The site of Rockwell and Sons. Yep. Same um, people as Rockwell and Sons. Yep. Yeah, um, I just had the egg salad sandwich and it was unbelievable. Yeah. You watched me just absolutely destroy it. It's the second time I've seen someone eat one of those egg salad sandwiches <laughs> and the second time I've been like, man. I wasn't I planning on getting it and it just like was just glowing on the counter there, just, just begging me to buy it and I did and I do not regret it at all. It was fantastic. It doesn't sound like the most, you know, appealing of. I mean, a good egg, right. a good egg salad sandwich because it's quite a common thing in the UK. I, I read the um, I read the menu and saw egg, egg salad and went, uh, and then I just saw it on the counter and I was like, I must. And it was so good. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Bisha Rodell, the New York Times writer, um, who I interviewed for Good Beer Hunting a while back, she wrote a kind of a tribute to the Australian egg salad sandwich. Uh, or salad sandwich in general and how that's something that Australia should be proud of because, you know, full of beetroot, grated carrot. And that is probably the... Like, I feel like they read that article and... Sure. That, that and seems like to be involved. really inspired by that. And I know that she's reviewed and is a big fan of um, Bar Liberty and Capitano. So, yeah, I reckon there's some I influence there. And <laughs> good Lord, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Mm, God damn, I want one now. <laughs> what do you got for us, James? Um, well, I should have given this more thought, but you know, I was so focused on what, what I needed to get across about the fires. But as I was driving in, we didn't give you any warning as well. <laughs> no, but I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew it would be coming, and I had been like thinking recommendations, and, th- and then got focused on the, the task at hand. Um, but uh, as I was driving in, uh, this guy was played on the radio, and um, Kerry O'Brien, who was standing on the uh, Eat It slot on Triple R, uh, reminded me of a, a geek that she'd been at and I'd been at late last year, uh, Marlon Williams, who it's not a new name, I think it's five years since I first saw him now, but um, the Kiwi singer um, who for the last few years I've been saying in 50 years time we'll be talking about him in the same breath as the greats um, and in every occasion I've seen him in he's risen to it or above and beyond. Uh, hopefully they'll have a new album out this year. I'm not sh- sure. Um, if you ever get a chance to see him live, do it. He's a phenomenal performer um, and he just ha- he has it. Um, even before that gig with the orchestra that was talked about on Triple R before, which was one of my greatest nights out I've ever had in terms of gig going. I saw him play at Golden Plains last year. It was like almost like a t- homecoming thing because his... I guess his star sort of really sort of started rising after Meredith about five years ago when he had a Sunday morning, like the really crap Sunday morning slot where everyone was packing up to leave. And everyone that went down was like, oh my God, who is this guy? And he had this 7 to 30 slot. And even though it was a, obviously a far smaller audience, I was down near the front and it felt like people weren't so much cheering and applauding between songs as shrieking like it must have been at <laughs> um, Shea Stadium when the Beatles decided to not gig anymore. Yeah, It was just like... Is he a superhero? Is he a, <laughs> an angel sent from on high? Is he all these things? Did so, he get a shoe? I, Surely, I, he, I mean, he must have got. He, he would have got my 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 Birkenstock probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he just came on and sort of just stood there with his at the time. He didn't have his moustache. I mean, he had an awful mullet and his earrings, and just stood sideways on for the whole of the first song, and then just he just got it. 
Um, Dave, you were at the shoes at Meredith and Golden Plains. No. Because you're going to your first Golden Plains this yeah. year. Oh, excellent. I'll see you there. Nice. Um, there's always a, a kind of, if an artist is nailing it in that moment, you hold up a shoe. Nice. And like, there's probably one, there's probably about half a dozen moments where there's 50-50 of the crowd are kind of all got a shoe in the air. Um, but then there's always like one moment where it's like, nah, it's, Definitely. this is it. This is shoe worthy. Shoe yeah. and waving shoes. Um, and quite uh, often, and often, it's often moments you don't expect as well. Yeah. And it doesn't tend to happen later on in the day because by that stage everyone's a bit yeah, cooked. And you can't see anyone's shoes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Wagon Wheel from Old Crow Medicine Show got it one year. Um, and that was an incredible. Mm. That was, a f- you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, yeah. And you see bands when they're playing and they look up and they're like, what the... What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, there was oh, what was her name? There was a, was it last year or the I think it was last year. There was some young um, female MC from London had the two o'clock slot. I think on the first afternoon, and it was just huge, dirty, fat beats, and her just like just her I think with her um, DJ and just bouncing around the stage. She'd have been twenty twenty one, and it was awesome and just got everyone going and. Shoes went up during her set, and she obviously went off to the side and went, "What? <laughs> Taking their shoes off?" So before she did her last song, she took her shoe off, and I don't think she totally fully understood, but said, "You know, I'm feeling so much gratitude to everybody, you know, in her in her London sort of way," and just gave the shoe back, and it was like, "Yeah, you got it." <laughs> uh, it came about apparently because one guy, I think it was Eddie Current Suppression Ring, when they were playing. Uh, and a guy took off his shoe to eat his foot or something and he just kind of held it in the air and a couple of other people <laughs> did it and that's kind of started this tradition Love of it. the shoes. Right. Uh, I'm all for it. I've, I've taken my shoe off many times uh, and I'm looking forward to taking it off this year again as well. Yeah. Uh, so my recommendation is a book called Flour, Salt, Water, Yeast. Um, I, the author's name escapes me now, um, but if you look it up, uh, it's a book all about baking, uh, not just sourdough, there's a, a big chunk on sourdough, but also dry yeast, um, all the fundamentals of making bread, pizza, uh, and really, really good um, focaccia as well. I made the f- first recipe I did was a focaccia recipe over the weekend. So interesting um, in terms of how it's laid out. The photos are beautiful. The instructions are really good. If you have any interest in making bread or you want to try, this is, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, it does really, good, yeah. Really good book. And it's American, but all the... Conversions are done for you as well. Oh, nice. um, he lays out really simply. So, good one. Yeah, check it out. I like it. Um, oh yeah, and if anyone um, is affected by bushfires or the current situation and and want to let us know of what they're up to and what their stories are, uh, I'm sure both um, Dave at aleofatime.com, Luke at aleofatime.com, and James at craftypint.com. Correct. We would love to hear. Um, you know, if you want to record something and send it through, we'll probably play it on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think we're always on the hunt out for stories. So yeah, um, and, and like I said, as we said already, there's st- stuff going on everywhere. If you want it, I guess make beer part of you know your efforts to to support what's going on at the minute. But certainly keep an eye out for anything around the resilience beer name over the, the coming days. I'm pretty sure it, there'll be a pretty major launch, and I'd like to think that a lot of the media is going to get behind it. Um, so. That could be a way to, to really get involved, and I, I I think it has the potential to raise millions of dollars mm. and then become this um, ongoing um, platform, you know, to do good through brewing and drinking beer. So awesome, uh, James! Thanks so much for coming along, and thanks, thanks for all your efforts coordinating things as well. No worries.
Oh, uh, also look out for our first episode with uh, Lindy yes. and Tiff. I know they had a planning meeting, which is probably more than wow, one. Wow, it's more yeah. than we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two so emails, that's all we do, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, um, I don't know what the, that plan looks like, but I'm excited to find out yeah, um, and share it with everyone. So that'll probably be the next episode coming out on the feed. So get excited. Nice. Dave, where can people find you? Uh, at Melb Dave on Twitter, that's it. Uh, James? Oh, well, craftypint.com, I guess, is the main platform for what I coordinate. Um, or, and yeah, and then Crafty Pint on Instagram, the Crafty Pint on Twitter, although the, I'm not very conversational <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. Um, so also, uh, so you can find me at Hypothepod for some conspiracy stuff. Um, the next episode, which will be out tomorrow, we look at some of the more cooked. Uh, side of the bushfires so hopefully it's some light relief for people that might be a bit stressed out yeah i was reading an article about that this morning um and i <clears throat> my dad tried to send me a link from the spectator in the uk the other day something about you know i just knew what it was going to be one of those sort of you know right wing theories yeah. about how it's you know the greens fault or whatever that we're having fires so i just deleted deleted the email and i felt like sending you back the guardian article this morning about some of the worst conspiracy theories and stuff that's being spread by the government and then lunatics as well. Um, there's a Venn diagram, <laughs> a bit of a crossover, I believe. Mm. Um, but I was like, don't rise to the bait. Just move on. Well, <laughs> if, if you want to kind of uh, dive in to find out what they're up to, um, directed energy weapons are playing a big part of it all. Um, Chinese communists are land clearing to put in high-speed rail to yes, yeah, uh, yeah. create smart cities to monitor us all and uh, usher in the new world order um, so if you want to learn all about that um, <laughs> tune in uh, we also look at some psychic predictions for 2020 so if you need a bit of cheering up hopefully that'll help at uh, Hypothepod Hypothetical Institute in your podcast apps um, and you can find me at Ale of a Time, aleofatime.com everywhere else thanks everyone thanks, thanks James see you later thanks.